This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, May 24th, the first full weekend of the 2021 NBA playoffs is behind us and today we'll be breaking down some of the biggest games and performances from the weekend. We'll also spin it ahead and look at some of the upcoming games as well on Monday night. All of that and more coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. As we welcome in everyone listening and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Steve Alexander. Steve, we have eight games to cover in about 25 minutes, so I think we're going to have to do away with the pleasantries and jump right in. I trust you are, you are well, though. How are you? Well, I mean, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Braves had a great weekend. The Atlanta Hawks had a great weekend. Chase Elliott, Dawsonville Zone, wins the NASCAR race. Matt, I really couldn't be happier on a Monday than I am right now. Well, you mentioned the Hawks. Let's start with that game Sunday night at Madison Square Garden, the first playoff game for the Hawks since 2017, first for the Knicks since 2013. Madison Square Garden was very loud, Steve. It's like jarring to see these kind of electric playoff atmospheres all of a sudden. We're not used to this. Trey Young, first career playoff game, 32 points, seven boards, 10 dimes, just two turnovers, and a garden silencing game winner in his playoff debut. What a performance, Steve, from Trey. Trey was great, man. And the the video of him walking into the tunnel, being like, quiet now, you know, talking, talking a little trash. Uh, yeah. The Madison Square Garden crowd definitely talked a little trash to Trey right at the jump. And, you know, I think he kind of thrived on it. And the atmosphere of this series is totally Reggie Miller versus Spike Lee, except now Trey is Reggie Miller. And, I'm here for it, man. It's it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you mentioned that crowd. It was wild. It felt like at one point that that crowd was legitimately like turning that game. The Knicks were on a run early, and Julius Randle 
uh, John Collins drew a charge on Julius Randle, which I felt like was possibly a game-saving play would be overstating it, but the Knicks were on a crazy run, and that like paused it for a second. But again, we're just getting used to that where you actually feel that crowd momentum. It's it's a jarring thing. Speaking of Randall, 6 for 23 or 6 for 24 from the field. Uh, <laughs> he struggled. Derek Rose was very good, though. Alec Burks was really good, though, Steve, as well. 27 points in 26 minutes. What stood out to you from the Knicks? You know, I, I was fighting with people on Twitter all night. Like two two dudes, one of which has since been blocked, uh, really thought I, w- thought I was an idiot for saying that DeAndre Hunter set the tone for stopping Julius Randle from destroying the Hawks. And they're like, well, he played in that one game, you know, six months ago when, you know, Lloyd Pierce was still coaching the team. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Somebody shut down Julius Randle. He had the worst game he's probably had all season in last night's home game against the Hawks. And part of the reason I think is DeAndre Hunter. Part of the reason is John Collins. Part of the reason is Danilo taxi driver Gallinari. <laughs> uh, by the way, how have we how have we gotten this far into this thing without talking about Gallo's haircut? I, I don't know. I, I'm shocked that you're giving Gallinari's defense credit, though. That blows me away. But the the haircut was was incredible. I thought of Bane from the Batman movies immediately. He was actually pretty brutal in this game, by the way. Three for eleven and one for seven on threes. Though that one make was a pretty big one to cut cut it from seventy seven. 73 to 77, 76, I believe. And the two other names I got to mention as we fly through this are Bogdan Bogdanovich, who shook off a rough start, finished with 18 points, hit that huge three from the corner on the busted play where where it deflected off of RJ Barrett. I mean, just the fact that he pulled that with no hesitation. For anyone who's played basketball, it's, it's such an unnerving feeling when you're a shooter and there's someone behind you. And that was the case on that play with Bogdanovich. And he just pulled the trigger, no hesitation. And that was a sick shot. Well, that that play, I think it was 103-100 Knicks at that at that yeah. moment. And the ball hits R.J. Barrett in yeah. the chest somehow, deflects right to, to Bogey, and he, like you said, man, he just pulls and fires, crushes it. It's 103-103, and then, you know, I think the next the next hoop was Trey's probably. So it was pretty, pretty amazing, pretty fun game to watch. Great Do you game. think, you know, let's go back to – Let's go back to Julius Randle for a second. Okay. Because that, that's a key, key to the whole thing. Did he just have a bad game or did the Hawks stop him? I mean, I think a little bit of both. I, I think Julius Randle, I think he probably comes back and has a great game in game two. Game two is a terrifying notion. I think the Hawks took one, stole one, whatever you want to say, got one. But again, we were talking online, like this this series is still just going to be absolutely gut-wrenching start to finish, I think. I still think it's going six or seven games. And game two is not until Wednesday. Like Correct. these guys have a lot of time to chill, to rest, mm-hmm. to enjoy that New York City nightlife. Nope, don't do that. I wonder if the Hawks came home or stayed there. I don't know, but Lou Williams was really good as well. Thirteen <laughs> points in thirteen minutes at a time when the Hawks were really struggling. We got to move to our next game, Steve. That would be the Suns and the Lakers' first playoff game for the Suns since 2010. The Suns really kind of dominated this one. Uh, Chris Paul, obviously the big storyline there, the right shoulder injury, says he, quote, heard a crack, which seems bad, uh, but he was gutting through it. And with him limited, Devin Booker, Steve, did some pretty phenomenal things. 34 points, seven boards, eight dimes, hitting shots from all over the floor. 
I feel like two of the guys that you like to bash on from a fantasy from a fantasy angle, from a fantasy standpoint from a fantasy are standpoint. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, and they both just went off yesterday. They did. They are both just like Dylan Brooks <laughs> and John Morant. All four of those dudes better at real basketball than they are at fantasy basketball. Yeah, well, the, it was loud. We talked about Madison Square Garden being loud. Phoenix was really loud, too. I believe it was a reported 11,000 fans there, maybe, but it was it was noisy. I mean, when Chris Paul was coming back out, Anthony Davis struggled 5 for 16. It was a while before he even had a rebound. LeBron has 18 points, 7 boards, 10 dimes. Lakers just 7 for 26 on threes. Steve, I mean, are you concerned about LA's offense getting going in this series? Or you just kind of chalk this up to one game and and think the Lakers, you know, come back and do what the Lakers do? Well, we're going to find out in game two. Uh, if the Lakers don't look better in game two than they looked in game one, then Phoenix is going to win. But I kind of chalk it up to they had a bad game one. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, they're going to bounce back from this and look better in game two. But, man, Aiton, Aiton just dominated that game, dude. Aiton and Booker. And then Chris Paul, like you said, he heard a crack. The way he was rolling around on that floor – when you see guys in that much pain, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't usually come back to the game. So the fact he was able to come back and play at all was incredible, but he was totally favoring the right shoulder yeah. the entire time. He was holding it, and now he says after the game he heard something crack. Like, that's not a good That's not a good sign. It's not good. A lot of left-handed dribbling from Chris Paul, and he did, he did knock down a couple difficult jumpers after he came back. But, yeah, we'll see. He, you know, he's... I assume he's playing, but yeah, that injury seems like it could be a legit factor moving forward in this series. Well, and if it, if it if it does linger, and if he misses time, then Cameron Payne, who got ejected after getting run over by Montrez Harrell yesterday, Cam Payne is going to be a really, really popular DFS guy. All right, let's move to the late game on Sunday. Grizzlies pull off the upset. By the way, half of these games... Uh, over the weekend, the lower seed won. I mean, 4-5 seed, okay, that's a bit of a technicality. But still, the Grizzlies pull it out 112-109 over the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell was a late scratch in this one due to his sprained right ankle. Obviously, huge disappointment for the Jazz uh, with that taking place. You mentioned Dylan Brooks. He scored 31, a ton of tough buckets inside. John Morant, 26-4-4. Kyle Anderson, six steals, Steve. And I got to mention the most classic slow-mo play ever. He, he picked... Bojan Bogdanovic's pocket, I believe, near midcourt. And it was a one-man fast break. And time just <laughs> stood still as slow-mo loped his way down the court and just and flushed it on the fast break. This The slowest, most slow-mo fast break ever. It was incredible. There were three plays in that Memphis game. My buddy Zach was, was sitting in the chair behind me last night. We were watching all this together. There were three plays that I, re, I rewound the DVR and said, look at how slow this guy does his thing. Was that one like, of slow-mo. them? Slow-mo. Yeah, that was one. There was another one where he had a layup, like where he like stopped, waited. Like he's he's so slow at everything he does. It's it's insane. Uh and how how about Dylan Brooks, man? Like Dylan Brooks, his defense has suddenly become notorious. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh man, Dylan Brooks is is now he's a guy that's going to shut people down. And Jordan Clarkson 
last night. Nothing. Yeah, five for 16, 0 of 8 on threes. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned yet, Utah 12 for 47 on threes in this game. That's the story of the game right there. Dylan Brooks has a lot to do with that. And Dylan Brooks is suddenly one of those guys that is looked at as a, as a defensive shutdown guy. And then he goes out and scores 31, balls out, gets talked to you know, Ernie and <laughs> Chuck after the game. You know, I, I'm happy for Memphis. I'm happy for, for Dylan Brooks. And uh, I just wish Jaron Jackson Jr. would do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, kind of a no-show for him. On the Utah side of thing, Boyan Bogdanovich scores 29. Mike Conley goes for 22 and 11, but shoots just six for 18. We mentioned Clarkson's poor shooting. Utah was down 15 with less than eight minutes to go in this one. They fought back, had a chance to tie it at the finish. Tough contested three for Bogdanovich is wide left. We might have buried the lead here of one Rudy Gobert fouls out Mm -hmm. early, early in that game, which way to go, Jonas, right? Uh, Two, Donovan Mitchell. That late scratch was as weird as any I can remember, and he's mad about it. The headline on the worldwide leader right now is Donovan Mitchell is angry at the Utah Jazz for sitting him late. Wow. And, you know, they're going to have to figure that out. You know, Donovan Mitchell was also mad at Rudy Gobert a year and a half ago when the pandemic started. And now he's mad at the Jazz because they didn't pl- let him play. Well, he, he wanted to play. He was ready to go. All the Sports Edge blurbs that we wrote were Donovan Mitchell's good to go. And then suddenly, three hours later, he's not playing. That was probably the biggest the biggest pregame story of, of the weekend. All right. Well, you got to think he's going to be back for game two, but we'll definitely have our eyes on that. All right. We're going to have to quickly go past this Sixers Wizards game. This is the 1 8 matchup where the one seed won it. Eh, I won't say super easily. It's a seven point game, but Sixers did what they had to do. Bradley Beal goes for 33. Daniel Gafford, of course, six for six for 12 and six in 20 minutes. Tobias Harris, playoff career high, 37 points and beat. Overcomes foul trouble to go for 30. And I love this Ben Simmons stat line, Steve. Six points, 15 boards, 15 dimes, and 0 of 6 from the free throw line. <laughs> I did not even catch that he went 0 for 6 from the free throw line. And I, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's the most beautifully weird stat line of the weekend right there. I mean, that's that just wonderful. It, it's perfect. It's a perfect Ben Simmons line. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. 
NBC Sports Edge wants to remind you that Red Nose Day is Thursday, May 27th. Find out how you can donate to support life-changing programs for children living in poverty at www.rednoseday.org. Also, I want to remind you that our premium product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports, so you can get access to NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB premium products all under one umbrella for 10% off any subscription under the promo code STU10. All right, Steve, let's speed through these Saturday games, just our impressions and takeaways. We'll start with the Bucks and the Heat. This was the first game of the weekend, so you almost forget how good it was. A fantastic overtime game. We saw the return of playoff Dragic with 25 points, but on the Miami side of things, you have Bam Adebayo, 4 for 15, Jimmy Butler, 4 for 22, Tyler Hero, 2 for 10. Combine those three, and it's 10 for 47, and Miami still only loses by two points. I mean, how did they go to overtime with with that stat line? Like, it, it's incredible. Middleton, Chris Middleton, a sick fallaway jumper to win in overtime. He goes for twenty seven six and six. And Steve, you talked about before the playoffs, Giannis's free throw shooting being a story. Mm. He went six for thirteen from the line. Mm. A late miss keeps Miami alive and helps them force overtime on a Jimmy Butler basket. If Jimmy, if playoff Jimmy showed up or playoff <laughs> Bam showed up, Milwaukee gets crushed in that game, but. Very disappointing performance from the Miami Heat, I'd say. Well, so game two of this series is Monday night, one of two games on the schedule. Milwaukee favored by four and a half. Based on what you saw on Saturday and based on what I saw, I still think Miami is very much alive in this series, Steve. What do you think we're going to see in game two? Well, they're definitely alive. And I I don't think Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and, and Tyler Hero are going to miss almost all of their shots tonight. I'm um, you would think ten for again ten for forty seven for those three, but it is home court uh, for the Bucks. They should win Monday night, uh, but even if they do, I still feel like this series is probably probably going seven. Okay, next game on the schedule for us to talk about is the Mavs pulling the big win. Your Mavs, the big win over the Clippers, one thirteen to one hundred three. Luca was great in this one. There's no other real way to say it. 31, 10, and 11 for him. Five threes. Also went four for seven from the free throw line in just a vintage Luca performance across the board. And Steve, we said coming into this that Porzingis had to show up. He really didn't show up, aside from a couple of late dunks, but finishes four for 13, 14 points, and Dallas still wins. How'd they get it done? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I I played real golf on Saturday morning, played horribly for nine holes, and then balled out for nine holes, right? The nine holes in the middle, I think I was, I was one under par. And then I went and played Golden Tee for like five straight hours after that. So I had the game on the TV, like right above the Golden Tee machine. And I kept watching the Dallas score, and they were up like six or seven points that entire game. And I don't really know how they did it. I do know that Luca uh, dunked on Patrick Beverly and screamed, you're too blanking small, which was awesome. That's one of my favorite Twitter moments of the weekend. That's all I really got. Kawhi had a just vicious fast break dunk on Maxi Kleba too, by the way. But I did see that. That was, that was gross. I think the way that... Dallas wins this is 21 from Tim Hardaway Jr., 18 from Dorian Finney-Smith, other than what Luca did, by the way. Those two guys, Hardaway Jr. and Finney-Smith, shot a combined 15 for 22 and 9 for 14 on threes. That will help your cause. And by the way, this game was tied at 100 with just under three minutes to go. Clippers only score three more points after that. I mean, they get 26 from Kawhi, 23 from George. No one else scored more than 11 for them. So the question becomes, who's going to step up as the third guy for the Clippers? Marcus Morris is 2 for 8 in this game, 0 for 6 on threes. 
Yeah, I mean, Patrick Beverly has to probably do something. Uh, Jackson probably needs to do something. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you, you talked about Chris Stapps Perzingis not doing much, but just having him out there mm-hmm. on the court, it's sort of like DeAndre Hunter. They don't have to do a lot. They just need to be out there and contribute and, and help their teammates. Like, I don't think the Dallas Mavericks need Chris Tepps Porzingis to score 30 and, and have 12 boards and shoot it well to win. They just need him out there disrupting things and helping Luka. Two more games to hit from the weekend. The Nets beat the Celtics 104-93. The rare game with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden playing only their ninth game together this season. Uh, Durant goes for 32-12. and 12, Kyrie scores 29. Harden shoots it just 13 times, but goes for a 21-9-8 and eight line. And I'll say, Steve, James Harden at times is not my favorite player to watch. His, his step-back travel three-pointer drives me crazy. But I got to say, I was impressed. I was impressed with the way he's playing. I mean, he's distributing. He's setting up teammates. Like He was great in this game. Dude, it's funny you mentioned the step back travel three pointer. Oh, I hate because, that so much. There's there's lots well, of guys in the league who have a step back that's not a travel. That one just drives me crazy. I have a 13 year old son who has mimicked that move. Uh, everyone we'll is the, right. If it's not going to be called, yeah. you should do it. You should do it if it's not being called. We're out in the driveway playing one on one, and he he'll like do this James Harden step back travel <laughs> move. And then he'll go, Dad, did I travel? And I'm like, I don't even know what travel is anymore. Like, when I was your age, (laughs) travel was a different thing than it is today. Everybody's got this two-step thing they're doing. And Harden is like the the godfather, right? Yeah, it's the toe tap into the two-step jump back. It's like, I I just, I can't stand it. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like James Harden's skilled enough to not do that, He, but he knows he can get away with it so uh, yeah why not i mean i can't i guess i can't blame if they're not going to call it it's really on the refs also one pet peeve i have from the weekend is Giannis got called for a 10 second oh that's right free throw violation he did but yeah there's a free throw lane violation on every free throw shot in the nba for sure like somebody's in the lane early every single time they never ever call that they never call traveling anymore but yet Giannis gets yeah. dinged for taking too much time at the line like give me, give me a yeah, break that was amazing on this on the boston side of things jason tatum coming off a game where he scored 50 points in a game that wasn't a playoff game and wasn't a regular season game i'm still not over that had it going early but ended up shooting just six for 20 steve and in a similar kind of story to the heat you go Kemba Walker, 5 for 16, Evan Fournier, 3 for 10. Those three guys combined for 14 for 46. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one of those series that I, I almost, I really have no interest in in watching. I, I'd rather watch the, the Memphis Grizzlies play can, basketball. Can I, the- th- can I then get you interested in what Robert Williams did in this game? 11 points, 9 boards, 9 blocks in just 23 minutes. Those blocks would be a Celtics playoff record. He was an absolute monster. Okay, I'll watch I'll watch now. Yeah, you watch, watch for Robert Williams in this one. By the way, the Celtics were up 12 early in this one. They led it at halftime. Nets had a big third quarter, outscored Boston by 17 in the second half. And one more game for us, Steve, as we have a few minutes left here. That would be the Blazers 123, the Nuggets 109. 34 points, 13 dimes for Lillard in this one. 21 for CJ McCollum. Carmelo was hot going for 18, kind of like you forecast we might see that happen. Portland trailed at the half, big third quarter. And what's really interesting in this one, Steve, is Nikola Jokic goes for 34 points, 16 rebounds, only one assist a season low. 
kind of weird, right? Um, that this is the one series that I didn't like the way this went. I I have nothing against the Portland Trailblazers. I just I want Jokic's MVP season to not end with first round knockout after how good they played all year. So yeah, you know, not having Jamal Murray really hurts. My yeah. my guy Compazzo. There's just yeah, Michael Porter Jr. had a, another weird stat line. He had line. a great game. He had a great game, but a weird stat line. 25 points. I think he shot 12 or 21 from the field, but one of 10 on threes, which is which is pretty awesome. Awesomely strange, I should say. Not awesome if you're a Nuggets fan. Keep chucking them up there, MPJ. I mean, he was hitting, Dude. He was hitting tough jumpers, tough two-pointers. He was just one for 10 on threes. Why am I wearing a Van Horses shirt instead of my Trey Young jersey? If there was ever a day, I have no idea to come on a podcast with a Trey Young jersey, it was today. I can't defend you on that move at all. I did put Dominique back up on the door, though. <laughs> nice. Well, we talked about you know who's going to be that third guy for Denver. We saw Aaron Gordon score 16 points, but he needed 16 shots to do it. They had only one other guy in double figures. That was Monte Morris with 10. And depth for Denver is really an issue, and it's not for the Blazers. The Blazers just have more guys who can, you know, put points up. And they made 19 of 43s in this game, Steve. Denver just 11 for 36. Well, and I think Will Barton and Will Barton has a hamstring. P.J. Dozier has a a groin injury. I think they're both already ruled out for game two. And I'm worried that Denver does not have a chance unless they have Will Barton. Yeah, as you said, Barton out for game two. Denver favored by one and a half in game two. That's the other game on the schedule Monday night. Yeah, I I don't know. Portland is looking like they're in good shape to win the series, but Denver looked good for a stretch of this game and looked like they were going to win it. For you know, Lillard got ridiculously hot, so I still think Denver could get one back tonight. Well, Denver's at home, so Denver should Denver win. Ha- well, Denver has to. If they don't win this game, it's over. Like, this series is done. So... They have to win this one. They have to go win one in Portland. Uh, maybe they can win tonight, and maybe Will Barton will be back for game three or four in, in Portland. But I think if Will Barton doesn't play, you know, he's one of those guys like Chris Porzingis and DeAndre Hunter where they need him on the court. He's not there. So, All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this Express 8-game opening weekend playoff roundup. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back here on Wednesday and on Friday this week as the playoffs continue. Big thanks to all of you for listening. To anyone watching live on YouTube, thanks for taking the time to join us. Steve, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.